Man, I've been ready for church all morning. Could hardly wait to get here. Hallelujah. In fact, I was ready last night. Where were you guys? I could have had church last night. Praise God. Be in prayer for Joe and I. We will be leaving this afternoon for London. I will be preaching 17 different services in London, Ireland, and France over the next two and a half weeks. (coughs) Somebody decided to put me to work. Praise God. But I'm looking forward to it. This is uh, the first time we've been able to go back to Europe since COVID. This is the meetings that I'm uh, doing that I had to cancel back in March of 2020. But uh, looking forward to it, so keep us in prayer, okay? Praise God. We've been having exciting meetings everywhere we have been. It, It just keeps building. The momentum just keeps building. Hallelujah. I believe we're in a new season. It's not only the maximum for uh, the blessings of God, prosperity and health. We've entered into the maximum for a move of God. Amen. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 85, first of all, this morning. Psalm 85. While you're turning there, let me say hello to this gentleman right here. Good to see you, my friend. It's an honor. I sure loved your dad. He loved you. You've heard me talk about Oop. That's Oop's son. That's grandson, right? All right. Praise God. Been a long time since I've seen you guys. Psalm 85, and let's look at verse 6. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord. That's a prayer that we all need to be praying right now. This world has gone nuts. We, this generation may need to apologize for what we thought about Sodom and Gomorrah. Because it's, it's, it's here again, and possibly even worse. And it's going to take a move of God to change things. Let's, let's make this our prayer. Keep it on your lips. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice? Show us thy mercy, O Lord. Why would we need his mercy? Well... Simply because we played church too long. We need forgiveness for just playing church and being satisfied with the status quo. Church as usual. I believe God wants to take charge in our services, in our world, in our nation. Amen. But it's going to take the people of God praying and realizing that we've played spiritual games long enough. Amen? 
Now, this is going to be a heavy sermon. But how many of you want to go to the maximum? Hallelujah. Revival or renewal, as it's called sometimes, is an extended spiritual awakening that leads to moral transformation. A spiritual awakening that leads to moral transformation. It begins with a deep hunger for more of God. Every revival, every renewal, every move of God has come on the wings of a hunger for more of God. I remember many years ago, I, was, I had been preaching in Norway, and I left Norway and went to Wales. And when I arrived in Wales, uh, my driver, a man who uh, had owned an automotive dealership there in, in the nation of Wales, he wanted to pick me up because he knew my background in the automotive business and, and wanted to share his testimony with me of how he too uh, came to God while he was uh, uh, running from God like I had been. And we had a wonderful conversation And then I asked him, I said, uh, do you know where the Welsh revival broke out? He said, yes. I said, take me there. He said, before you go to the hotel? I said, yes, take me there. And we drove to the city where Evan Roberts went into a little chapel and began to pray. And he said to God, I'm not leaving this chapel until you move on my nation. Showing God that there was a hunger, a hunger for more of God. They took me to that little chapel, and I don't know for sure, but they said this is the bench that Evan Roberts knelt down in front of. It could or could not have been, I don't know. But it was the same building. And said this is where he prayed, God, move on my nation. We need revival in our nation. And God honored his request. And that Welsh revival, it, it affected nearly everybody in the country. The pubs, the bars shut down. The places of prostitution shut down. I mean, there was a major move of God throughout that nation. And then it began to spread to America. The turn of the century. In a Bible school in Kansas, where they began to pray and seek God for more of God. And they began to receive the Holy Spirit, just like on the day of Pentecost. And from there, it spread to Azusa Street in California. And there, too, it came as a result of people hungering for God. I had the privilege of of preaching in the 100-year anniversary of Azusa Street in California a number of years ago. I went to the place, Carol and I went to the place where that all broke out, way back there at the turn of the century. Every major move of God has come on the wings of hunger. People become dissatisfied with church as usual. Anybody dissatisfied with church as usual? It's time for a move of God. I came into this at the, at the 
ushering in of the charismatic revival, the charismatic movement as they labeled it. I came into this in 1969. It began, uh, it began in the, about the middle 60s, began to pick up momentum by the time I came in. In fact, uh, Jerry Ann recently called Carolyn and I and said, Daddy, would you like to go to see the movie The Jesus Revolution? I said, yes, I'd like to see that. I was part of that. You didn't see me in the film, but I was part of that. <laughs> I was somewhere out there on that beach. Brother Copeland had come to Shreveport, where Carol and I were living at the time, where we grew up. And he had just been in California at a man's home. The man's name was Dave Malkin. And Dave uh, invited him to come to his home and preach. And Dave had led over a hundred ex-hippie drug addicts to the Lord himself. And they were all gathering in his living room in his home, having Bible studies. And Dave heard Brother Copeland at a full gospel businessmen's meeting and asked him if he would come to his house and teach faith to these young believers, new converts. Brother Copeland did. And when he left there, he came to Shreveport. And he said to me, Jerry, I believe God wants me to send you out to California and spend some time with Dave Malkin. And he said, and I'm going to pay you away. And uh, he said, and the Lord told me to tell you, stay as long as you think you need to stay. Because God has something for you, and you're going to bring it back to your city. And so I flew out to Los Angeles, never been to Los Angeles before. Didn't know Dave Malkin from Adam. Adam. And when I landed there at LAX and took one young man from Shreveport who had been an ex-hippie drug addict, got saved in a Brian Rudd meeting in the tabernacle there in Shreveport, the church we were going to. And he and I went out there. And I remember coming down the escalator and the man standing at the foot of it was Dave Malkin. He introduced himself to me, picked up our luggage, and took us home. He said, we're going to Pismo Beach tomorrow. There will be 140,000 hippies, drug addicts, secular people at Pismo Beach, 4th of July weekend. And said, and we're going to invade Pismo Beach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm taking 113 ex-drug addicts who've been saved, delivered, and filled with the Holy Ghost that are part of my Bible study. We got out there to Pismo Beach, and I'm standing on this sand dune looking out there and thinking, what in the world am I doing here? I didn't look like them. I didn't know one thing about drugs, never done drugs in my life. No, never, never, never had a desire to do it. And I thought to myself, what could I possibly say to these people? I don't know anything about drugs. I don't know this lifestyle. Now, we had some so-called hippies in Shreveport 
But after I got to California, the hippies in Shreveport were wannabes. <laughs> These people wrote the book about drugs and hippie, you know, revolution. I saw some of the weirdest things I'd ever seen in my life. And I'm standing out there looking at this crowd of people, thousands, hundreds, over 100,000. And I'm thinking, what do I have to offer them? And the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, son, it's not your knowledge of drugs that will get their attention. It's your knowledge of me. Take me to them. So I walked off that little hill, and there was a group of them sitting in a circle. And they were chanting and singing and swaying and smoking. You know, I guess you do it like this. I don't know if Jesse was here, I'd ask him. He knows how, anyway. <laughs> and uh, I walked right down the middle of that crowd. There was a young girl sitting here and a boy on the, on here, and there's a little space in between them. So I just sat down between them. Now, you have to get the picture of this. I'm in a pair of Levi's, tennis shoes, you know, uh, Bandlon shirt, they call them polo shirts now, and a crew cut. I just come out of the paint body shop. And I sit down here, whoa, man. <laughs> I think that was the most intelligent thing anybody said in that group. <laughs> whoa, man. And this girl sitting next to me, she had flowers in her hair, she had flowers sewn all over, you know, her, her uh, slacks and shirts. Everybody long hair. You can hardly see their face. And I still felt very intimidated. Finally, I got brave enough. I said uh, to this girl, do you know Jesus? She said, what? And I said, do you know Jesus? Have you ever experienced Jesus? She started crying. Come to find out she was a backslidden Pentecostal girl. And I led her back to the Lord. And then she, on her own, said, listen to him. And I had the attention of the whole crowd. We, we experienced some of the most unusual salvations. Or some salvations with some most unusual people would be a proper way to say it. There was one guy that had been a hitman for the mob in Chicago. And Dave Malkin led him to the Lord. Now this man don't know anything. All he knows is the sinner's prayer that he just prayed. He prayed it, tears streaming down his face. He walked out on the street, Pismo Beach. I was there recently. Remember that very corner. Remember this scene. He walked out on the street. A hell's angel was on his motorcycle waiting for the light to change. And this guy straddled the forks of his bike and looked right at him and said, you need Jesus. And that hell's angel looked at this guy and did not give him any lip. He was a big guy. And he'd been a hitman for the mob. And he said, you're going to receive Jesus. And the guy said, get off my bike. He said, not until you receive Jesus. And he prayed with him right there, people blowing their horns, trying to get around the motorcycle. 
And he would not get off that bike until that guy prayed and received Christ. And then the hell's angel parked his bike and he began witnessing the people out on the beach. <laughs> Amen. We led thousands, thousands of them to the Lord. Baptized thousands of them in the Pacific Ocean. Amen. When we left and went back to the L.A. area, a hundred miles away from Pismo Beach, we stopped at a service station. And the guy filling up the car, this back when, you know, he had an attendant fill the car. When he, he was filling up the car, he said, Hey, have you guys heard what's happening at Pismo Beach? He said, Yeah, we just came from there. We're, we're part of that, praise God. So watching that movie brought back some wonderful memories. It was easy to get people saved. Miracles happened everywhere we went. Signs and wonders took place everywhere we went. Amen. And I stayed out there for 13 days. And then I came back home to Shreveport. And that's when I began to rally the young people at our church and get them into the streets and winning people to Christ one-on-one. Now, there was a man and his wife had just graduated from Bible school, and they were supposed to come back and be the youth directors for the church. And uh, I remember sitting in the ser- his first service with the youth, because the pastor had asked me to, to work with the youth, so not make me youth director, but to work with the youth. And I had them in the streets witnessing, experiencing the same things we, we saw in California. And his first lesson, he said, Now, I'm going to give you a six-month soul-winning course because you can't win souls without knowing these things that I'm going to be teaching you. He didn't know that most of the kids, young people in that service, had just come off the streets. We had won them to the Lord. And he didn't know that. And he's going to take six months to get people teach people how to get people to Christ. Well, finally, after the service, I said, uh, uh, Sir, you're too late. Most of these people you're talking to were street people. They were acid heads. They were drug addicts. They were prostitutes. We won them to the Lord. We don't need six months teaching on soul winning. We're doing it. Oh, he got so mad at me. In fact, he got so mad at me that when he'd see me coming in the church, he'd go down the other aisle. And then one day, he came down and, and, and grabbed me by the collar. He's a big man, much taller than me, almost picked me off my feet. He said, I want to know one thing. I spent four years in Bible college studying the Bible, and I'm not getting the kind of results you are. Why? I said, you know a lot about the Bible. I'm doing the Bible. And put me down. (laughs) Uh, That didn't sit well with him either. You know, a religious spirit can stifle the move of God. And just like in that movie, if you've seen it, anybody seen the movie? If you haven't seen it, I, I strongly suggest you see it. In fact, Justin, I had it in my heart 
somebody needs to take all of our youth there. And, and I'll pay for it. Pay for the tickets to get them in there. They, they need to see that movie. Now, the movie is about uh, Chuck Smith and some of the others. And I knew some of those people. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't know Chuck, but I knew of him. And some of the other people I had met and some of those uh, churches I had preached in. In fact, we did a meeting out in Topanga Canyon, an outdoor meeting. And Dave asked me to preach. And there was a young man who was just coming on the scene by the name of Andre Crouch, who did the singing, praise God. And Andre and I got to be close friends and did some meetings together over the, over the years. It was unprecedented. In Shreveport, there were Baptists, Methodists, and Catholics getting saved so often. And many of them were getting pushed out of their church. Got, as Brother Hagin said, the left foot of fellowship. And they all started coming to Life Tabernacle. And it became like the model charismatic church in Shreveport, Louisiana. Now, not everybody in that church liked what was happening. Some of them thought the old was better. They didn't like me bringing drug addicts in there. They didn't like me bringing alcoholics in there. They didn't like me bringing prostitutes in there. They didn't look good. They didn't smell good. And they didn't act right. Amen. Now, when I moved to Fort Worth, I did the same thing with Grace Temple. Brother Nichols asked me to get involved with the youth. If I wasn't with Brother Copeland, then I was at Grace Temple and involved with the youth, and I got them out in the streets of Fort Worth. We set up stations all over the city, and I told the young people. I taught them how to witness, and I didn't take six months, about an hour. Got them out in the streets, and I told the, the, people that, the young people that were with me. I said, not everybody will pray with you, but at least sow the seed. And then walk away saying, the word does not return void. And I said, and we're going to come back to these same places. I set up stations all over the city. We're going to come back to these same places every week because some of those people that didn't pray for you will start looking for you because they won't sleep. Not after they've heard the word. Not after we planted the seed. They're going to be looking for us. And some of them that you didn't pray with then, you'll eventually pray for. And that's exactly what happened everywhere we went. In fact, I set up a station in front of a bar and later found out it's the bar that Kenneth Copeland used to sing in before he got saved. (laughs) He walked in there one night. uh, You know, the church didn't want him. His Baptist church didn't want him. And he left there and went to that bar. And when 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 he walked in, the owner of the bar said, there's a man, if he'll sing in my bar every night, He'll never have to buy a drink. And that's what Kenneth Copeland did. I didn't realize it. I set up a station right in front of that bar where Kenneth Copeland used to, used to sing. And we won people to the Lord every time we were there. Amen. It was, it was a move of God, a genuine move of God. Now, you'll see something in that movie that, that and when you see it, think about it. Every move of God that has ceased or dried up did so 
because some man tried to control it. Some man tried to control it. There's certain people that feel like none of this would happen if it wasn't for me. The phrase the man used in the movie, there wouldn't be a movement without me. Oh yes, there would. God has plenty of people he can use. Now he wants to use you, but if you get in the way, he'll just find somebody else to use, praise God. Amen? We are on the verge of the greatest move of God this, this planet has ever seen. It's happening in different spots around the world. And it's picking up momentum. How many of you remember the old movie Bonanza, TV movie Bonanza? Remember at the front of it, it showed a map of the country and the fire started in California, spread across the country. That's what I see happening. The fire of the Holy Ghost is going to spread across the country. Just like that old map in, at Bonanza. The fire of the Holy Ghost is going to spread from one end of this nation to the other. It's going to spread to the four corners of the earth, praise God. And this time, no man's going to be able to stop it. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise that we are on the verge of it. Amen. So once again, it begins with a deep hunger for more of God. Anybody hungry for God today? Anybody hungry for more of God today? It's the desire to know more of the person of God than anything else in your life. It's seeking his face and not just his hand. His face represents intimacy. His hand represents his power. If you seek his face, his hand comes with it. <laughs> seek intimacy with God and you'll see the hand of God as a result of it. Amen. When a body of believers have this as their number one priority, then they will experience his presence and with it will come signs and wonders. One preacher described it as this. I can't improve on this, so I'm going to borrow it. Expectation without manipulation. Expectation without manipulation. That's what a, a true move of God is. Every previous move of God ceased when man tried to control it or when they endeavored to promote self above the Spirit of God. Often it ceases when flashy and dramatic becomes what some try to bring into it. I remember a, a time in South Africa back in the 80s when I first started going to South Africa. Ray McCauley, the pastor of Rayma Bible Church in South Africa, and he and I became very close friends. I met him when he was a student at Rayma Bible College in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, he came to Fort Worth to meet me and said he was going back after he graduated to Joburg and began a church. And he said, and once we get it started, I'd love for you to come. And so about 1981, we went for the first time to Joburg. 
And the, the meetings were so powerful. Every time I went, it just kept growing. Ray was a pastor doing the work of an evangelist. Every service. I don't care what Ray preached, people get saved. Now, I'm not talking one or two. I'm talking about hundreds of people get saved. And uh, we had some of the greatest manifestations of the power of God in those meetings. And, and it kept growing. And he finally had to go to a, 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 a grounds in a fairground, a, a building in a fairground, a pavilion in a fairground to hold all the people. Tens of thousands of people would show up. And the miracles were unceasing. I mean, sometimes you'd just stand up and say a few words and, and the power of God would begin to flow. One night, uh, the Lord said, don't, don't, don't take your Bible and your notebook to the podium tonight. I said, why would I not want to do that? I said, I, I got a good sermon I've worked on today. He said, uh, you can preach it to yourself later. So I left my Bible and my notebook there on the, on the chair, went up there, and he said, tell the miracles will spring out of praise tonight. So that's what I told him. And so I, I, I said, I, I only quoted Psalm 150 about let them praise him on the string instruments and so forth. And I, and I turned to everybody that was playing a string instrument. I said, praise him on the string instruments. And they started doing it. Man, the power of God hit the place. I said, praise him on the loud sounding cymbals. And they, they started praising on the loud sounding cymbals and the power of God spread all over the place. And there was a guy standing over next to these bongo drums. And I said, praise him on the bongos. And he just looked at me. I said, praise him on the bongos. He just looked at me. I said, did you hear me? Praise him on the bongos. So he, st he never played them before in his life. He was just standing by them. All of a sudden, man, the power of God comes. Woo, man. You never heard bongos played like that in your life. I didn't know it. I thought he played them. He was standing by them. He was just, he was just an usher standing up there watching all this. And when he did that, they had brought a woman in on an, in an ambulance and had her on a cot and tubes hooked up to her. She tore all that off and took off running around the auditorium, completely healed, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Why do those things cease? I came into the ministry seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm just, a, I'm just an ex-pain body man. Never went to seminary. Never had any formal training. I just, I just read the book of Acts. I read the 16th chapter of the book of Mark. And these signs shall follow them that believe. I said, well, I'm a believer. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, that ought to be happening to me. That ought to be happening with me. And I, I, I heard somebody talk about an amplified Bible. They just come out. So I went to the Christian bookstore there in Shreveport. And I asked the guy, a young man who was a seminary student. And he said, uh, I said, do you have that amplified Bible in stock? He said, yes. And he took me over to him. And uh, he stood over my shoulder. And I flipped over to the 16th chapter of Mark. I wanted to see how it read in the amplified. And he said, 
I wouldn't read that if I were you. I said, what? He said, that verse you're looking at. I said, why not? He said, it's not in the original manuscripts. I said, does God know this? <laughs> I said, somebody needs to tell God because I'm laying hands on the sick and they're recovering. And if God's not doing it, who is it? He said, really, you're doing that? I said, every day. His religious spirit was preventing him from experiencing what God wanted him to experience. Jesus said to the religious people of his day, your traditions are making the commandments of God of no effect. Don't let religious tradition keep us from experiencing a great move of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you got a religious spirit and you want this church to be religious, you're in the wrong place. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So, often when there's a great move of God, preachers tend to get flashy, dramatic. We were in a great move of God in South Africa. And there was one minister that had been invited to come. And the man was a wonderful, wonderful man of God. Miracles followed him. I'm telling you some of the, some of the one, most wonderful miracles I had seen. But I watched as the services progressed. We're there for a week, but as the services progressed, I watched him get flashy and try to create a circus atmosphere. I remember him, you remember a, a, a TV program that, I don't know what the name of it was, but there was a, a heavyset uh, young black gentleman, and he would, he would say, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> remember that? What was that? Okay, yeah. Well, this preacher you know, got to imitating that. And he'd walk across the platform, hey, 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 hey. And if a miracle would happen, hey, hey, hey. It just grieved my spirit. So after the service that night, we were in the back room and I said, called his name. And he'd not been in the ministry as long as I had at that time. And I said, uh, there is such a powerful anointing on you. I saw miracles in these last few days that were just astounding. I said, but don't, don't create a circus atmosphere with it. Well, he didn't take that well. He just ignored me. The next night he got even more flashy. Well, if I called his name, you might have heard it, but you don't hear anything about him anymore. You might have heard it at one time, but you don't hear anything about him anymore. Flashy and dramatic. Now God's dramatic. When you can fling the universe with just one word. Or three words. Two words. Light be. That's, that's dramatic. But he's not flashy. 
Amen? Are you still here? We're not going to allow flashy and dramatic in this church. We're going to allow the, we're going to allow the Spirit of God to do what He wants to do, but we're going to see to it that He feels welcome and comfortable here. Amen. That's what people need is the presence of the Holy Spirit in every service. Can you say amen? amen? Now let's go to the book of Romans for a moment. Romans chapter 15. Are you receiving today? Yes. Romans chapter 15. Sometimes uh, you just have to step in under the apostolic anointing that I have and clear the air. Look at verse 29. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. The fullness of the blessing. Everybody say that. The fullness of the blessing. Now, that sounds like to me maximum. Highest level attainable. But it's more when we, when we keep this in, in its context, it's more than just maximum prosperity, maximum, you know, blessings coming in, going out in the city, in the field. It's talking about coming. He, he, he wanted to come to the church in Rome in the fullness of the blessing, referring to the anointing. The anointing. In the fullness of the anointing. Amen. The NIV says, in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. One commentary says, I desire to come furnished with the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Furnished with it. Fullness means complete. Nothing is wanted. Satisfaction to the full. I'd call that maximum. Highest level attainable, wouldn't you? Obviously, in this verse, he's referring to the blessing of the anointing. Operating under the anointing of God is a tremendous blessing. It's, there's nothing compares to it. I've experienced the anointing throughout my ministry. In those early days... We had miracles in the streets. We had people healed. A Catholic priest came to my house one time and said, I hear you speak in tongues and you pray for the sick. Now I'm about six months old in the Lord. I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, is that for everybody? I said, yes, sir, it is. He said, can I have it? I said, yes, sir, you can. He said, how do I get it? I said, I'll pray and lead you in prayer. He got down on his knees in front of me, a Catholic priest, got down on his knees in front of me in my living room, and I, I led him in a prayer. Jesus said, if anyone asks for the Holy Spirit, he shall receive. So I led him in the prayer to ask to receive the Holy Spirit, just like on the day of Pentecost. I mean, just like that. He began to speak in tongues and, and worship God. 
And I laid hands on him again and I said, and Lord calls the, the signs that follow believers to happen in his ministry. That Catholic priest left my house and the next Sunday he was praying for people to receive the Holy Ghost in mass and he was praying for the sick in mass and they were receiving the Holy Ghost and people were getting healed, praise God. Amen. It seemed like it was easy to experience miracles. Drug addicts were coming to our house to get delivered. They'd heard about what was happening in the streets. Little did I know one of the biggest drug pushers in our city lived on our street. A guy that pastors a cowboy church in Shreveport today and has been for many years now. They brought him to my house. Stoned. Absolutely stoned. I don't know that he even knew he was at my house. They brought him there. And his parents were Pentecostal people that went to Carolyn's church. And he was a backslidden Pentecostal boy. And I laid hands on him, cast those devils out, and the power of God picked him up, threw him in the corner of my room, and he slid down on the floor praying in tongues when he got, when he, when he got up. And today, he pastors a cowboy church in Shreveport, Louisiana. Brother Copeland asked me to join him in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, before I had moved here. We went to Jacksonville Beach, Florida, and, and uh, Brother Copeland was preaching three services a day, and in between each service, I'd hit the beach, witnessing, and I'd ask people in the services, anybody want to learn how to pray for deliverance of drug addicts, and prostitutes, and, and people that live in the street? If you do, stay over after Brother Copeland gets through, and I'll spend about 25 minutes with you, and then we'll go put to work what we learned in here. And we, we hit the beach. In about five days, I had one, and the small group that was with me, 150 people to Christ on the beach. And some of them are pastoring churches in Florida right now, praise God. I've preached in some of their churches. It was easy to have miracles. I said, it was easy to have miracles. Why don't we see more miracles today? Because people don't expect them. Some people are just satisfied with three points and a poem. Not me. I, I like the prayer that I heard Lester Summerall pray when I first met Brother Summerall. He said, I prayed, God, don't let me miss one move or one awakening or one revival in my lifetime. I don't want to miss one. I don't either. Anybody else have, want to pray that prayer? Praise God. I don't want to miss not one of them. Now, once again, I long to, uh, uh, when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the anointing of God. Now, in chapter 1, he says, in verse 11, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. That spiritual gift in particular was the anointing of God. He said, when I come to you, this is my desire. I want to impart something into you because I plan on coming 
in the fullness of the blessing of the anointing of God. And you can see throughout the book of Acts where that anointing on Paul's life, the Bible says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Amen. Everywhere he went, you think you're reading about Jesus. The miracles, the signs, and the wonders. And here he says to the church in Rome, when I come to you, I'm coming with the purpose of depositing something into you. And I'm coming in the fullness of the blessing of the anointing of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray right now. God, God. say it out loud. God, God. we desire desire the fullness of the blessing of the the anointing of God God. that comes from the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in this service, in these meetings, in this church. So why shouldn't we see the anointing? Amen. Now, when I when I first started, I laid hands on people after every service. I didn't close the service without laying hands on people. And we had miracles everywhere we went. But over a period of time, the spiritual climate began to change. If you ask, of course you can't do that now, but if you were to ask Catherine Kuhlman when she was still living, why do people have miracles in your services? And the answer would be, they expect it. Busloads of people would come from all over the country. I got to be in one of her meetings in Dallas back in the early days. And people came from everywhere. And the excitement, the electricity that was in the air, so to speak. People came expecting. She didn't have to preach long services, long messages. She, she, she welcomed the Holy Spirit in the place. And people came expecting to see demonstrations of the Spirit. Most people don't come to church that way today. They're happy with just a positive message, an inspiring message. And I hope you don't keep us too long because the Baptists will beat us to the cafeteria. (laughs) What are we going to do when a service goes all day? I have, I have preached at Rodney Howard Brown's church a couple of times over the last several months. They are in their 900 and something day of services. And the place is packed out every night. I wonder if people would come every night if a move of God broke out here. Yeah. Well, we're going to find out. I said, we're going to find out. Hallelujah. Look at somebody say, I'm ready, praise God. Amen. So we're talking about the maximum, but in the form of the blessing, the fullness of the blessing 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the fullness of the blessing of the gospel, the anointing, is present, then yokes are destroyed. Burdens are removed. Once it is received, then it enables you to live in the fullness of what God has planned for you. And that's my prayer today, that the anointing of God will flow freely in this church as never before. And strongholds will be broken in every service in the name of Jesus. That God's people can enjoy all that he has prepared for them without pain, without, without heavy burdens, without oppression. That the joy of the Lord will, will fill the place. People, people have joy when they cut out of their car. Have joy walking in, in, in the service. And it just spreads like wildfire. Fire. Because the Bible says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Got to be joy in the church. There was a, a, a man called me one time who was presiding over this uh, denominational convention and said, we'd like for you to come and be one of our speakers at our convention. He told me who he was, and it was not a, you know, charismatic group. And he said, uh, we, we have heard some of your messages. We read one of your books. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. I said, uh, well, I'd be happy to come. He said, now, I want you to come, but I want you to teach on this new thing that's happening among some of God's people. I said, what new thing is that? He said, joy. <laughs> he said, this phenomenon called joy. This strange thing that is happening. People, Christians are having joy. I said, sir, it's strange to me when Christians don't have joy. Amen. Isn't that amazing? This strange thing. Christians have joy. They ought to have joy. If they don't have joy, then that tells me they're not in his presence very much. Because in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. I said, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We welcome his presence. Amen. Let's just lift our hands right now and praise him. Praise him unashamedly. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Danny, I think you need to come back up here and, and lead us in some praise. Come on. Praise Him unashamedly. Praise Him unashamedly. Stand up and do it. Stand up and do it. Put everything down in your seat. Stand up and praise the Lord unashamedly. Don't wait on anybody else. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on. Worship Him. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
Let's do it. Let's do it. Praise God. Come on, don't wait on anybody else. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Praise Him. Unashamedly. Praise Him. Praise brings the presence of God in the place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's do it. Are we ready? Hallelujah. Come on. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. The presence of the Lord is here. Come on. Sing it. The presence. The presence of the Lord is here. of the Lord is here, then don't you think you'd be acting a little differently than you are right now? Hey, somebody, somebody says, well, I'm just waiting for the Spirit to move me. Smith Wigglesworth used to say, if the Spirit don't move me, I move the Spirit. like the presence of the Lord is here. Come on, the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here. I feel it in the
Depression? Get up here real quick. Get up here real quick. Come on. Come on. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. That's what you need. Some joy. Joy will rid you of oppression. Will rid you of heaviness. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Sing it out. Sing it out. Sing it out. Right now. I can't be the presence of the Lord, and I'm going to get my presence. 
somebody. Let it flow into somebody else. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your anointing flowing, flowing freely throughout this auditorium. In the name of Jesus. Destroying yokes. Lifting heavy burdens. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. 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 Be seated if you can. Don't, don't, don't turn it off, though. You are welcome to continue to shout and praise God. We don't want to stifle it. Hallelujah. 
show God we truly desire it, He will honor our request. Learn to let your praise flow freely. You can have church in your own house. You can experience the presence of God in your own home. Don't let feeling embarrassed in a service like this prevent you from going all out. Let the praise of God go up to Him from this moment forward like never before. This is your year to enjoy the maximum. The Bible tells us in Psalm 1611, I've quoted it already, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The joy of the Lord, as it arises in your heart, then there are pleasures that come with it. Don't suppress your praise. Don't suppress joy. Hallelujah. Don't be ashamed of being joyful. Don't refrain from it. Don't let it remain bottled up on the inside of you. There's freedom in it. If you'll just release it. There are major victories that are about to be released from heaven if you'll just get in the flow. Just get in the flow, hallelujah. Some major walls are coming down as we enter into the flow. There comes a time when you just have to, as they say, throw caution to the wind and refuse to allow what others think keep you from laying hold upon what God has for you. Hallelujah. Somebody said, um, well, aren't you afraid a little wildfire break out? I think we can handle wildfire a whole lot better than it takes raising the dead. There's, there's always a little bit of wildfire, but that's never frightened God. Amen? And that's not an invitation for wildfire. With God, everything is done decently and in order. But what are you willing to do in a service? Or let me say it this way. What you are willing to do in these services will have a profound effect on what you will experience in the days ahead. Actually, when you praise God unashamedly, you're sowing seed. You're sowing seed for a better tomorrow. 
This is what Paul referred to as in Galatians 6, 8. He that soweth to the Spirit. You can sow to the flesh. You can sow to the Spirit. Another translation describes this as he that lives to please the Spirit. To please the Holy Spirit is to flow with Him. Paul warns us not to, in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench the Spirit. The message translation says, don't suppress the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bring her to me. Are you ready? There's a deliverance coming. And there's a healing coming. In the name of Jesus. I take authority. Over every evil spirit. Controlling your mind. Controlling your thinking. Controlling your actions. Loose her. In the name of Jesus. And your departure will bring on her healing. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands and bless the Lord. Let's bless the Lord. Let's bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Paul says in another place in Ephesians 4.30 that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. The Amplified Bible says, do not offend or vex or sadden him. It saddens him when we're unwilling to flow with him. One preacher said it like this, to grieve the Holy Spirit is like letting corrosion build up on your battery so that power cannot be accessed. One commentary says, stop putting out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Don't put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. For in doing so, you are preventing Him from exerting His full influence. Hallelujah. Let's welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. Remember the song Hilda wrote that you, we used to sing in Kenya all the time? Welcome Holy Spirit. Beautiful song. Welcome Holy Spirit. Danny learned that song. Welcome Holy Spirit. What's her last name? Okay, get with Carla. <laughs> it's a beautiful song. We need, to, we need to sing it. We used to sing it in our, in our victory, um, not victory campaign, our meetings, my meetings, all the time after I heard her sing it in Kenya. Bring him to me. Your what? Your sister? Yep. Well, you need a touch from God as well. Are you ready? Have you received Jesus as Lord of your life? You have? I have. Okay. Jesus? He declares he's received you as Lord. 
but he needs a touch of your presence today. And I'm asking you to honor it. Touch him, Lord. From the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. May he leave this place today. May he leave this place today knowing something has changed. May he experience your presence throughout the day. And may it bring to him joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's lift our hands to worship the Lord. Stop putting out the fire of the Holy Spirit, for in doing so, you are preventing Him from exerting His full influence. We desire the full influence of the Holy Spirit in our services. Hallelujah. Something has begun here in this church. Now, I'm not here, I'm not here that often, but I, I watch the services when I have opportunity on the road. And I, I, I can see that something is about to break loose big time. Something is about to break loose big time. Thank you, Justin, for, for being a vessel of God. Come up here, Justin. Everybody stretch your hands out toward him. Annette, come with him. Hallelujah. Carolyn, come with me. Hallelujah. This is your pastor. I'm not the pastor. I'm, I represent the apostolic authority. But these are your pastors. And I know they have a heart for God. This is a man after God's own heart. I trust him. And I, I, I sense in my spirit that God's about to take him to a higher place in the anointing. And Annette as well. A higher place in the anointing. It's going to get to the place to where it'll be hard to remain thick in this church. Get to the place where it will be hard to remain oppressed and lacking joy in this church. Don't be surprised that the Spirit of God will come on you the moment you open the door to your car and and start toward the building. I was in a service one night in Toronto and the Lord said tonight people are going to be so drunk in the Holy Ghost they're going to have to be carried to their car. Little did I know I'd be the first one they carried out. I mean it hit the whole crowd. People didn't didn't know how to drive. They didn't know how to get out of the parking lot. They were so drunk in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There will be people drive by and wonder what is going on there. And we will say, they're not drunk as ye suppose. Just like in the book of Acts. It's the Holy Ghost come on. In the name of 
Jesus. Hallelujah. Take them to a higher place. Take them to a higher anointing. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Pastor, Pastor Phil, Pastor Phil and Karen, come up here. Hallelujah. Pray in the Spirit. And the same for you too. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and bless the Lord. Danny, come up here. Hallelujah. The, the praise has everything to do with this. You're, you're a psalmist. You have the anointing of a psalmist. Take us higher, Danny. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, let's give the Lord a good shout of praise. Father. Thank you, Father. I want to read it one more time. Stop putting out the fire of the Holy Spirit. For in doing so, you're preventing him from exerting his full influence. Say this with me. In the name of Jesus, I will not be guilty of putting out the fire of the Holy Spirit in this church. And in my personal life, I want to be influenced, totally influenced by His presence in Jesus' name. And it begins today. Come on, lift your hands and give Him your highest praise.